When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into this early edition of the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. Hope your Thursday is going wonderfully. It is a beautiful day in Chicago, so get outside after the show's over. Do that. Make sure you smash that like button for us on the YouTube page. Like our YouTube uh, channel. Subscribe, all that great stuff. Podcast listeners, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. You can do both. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever you've got, we'll take it. Five-star reviews are great. What was it? Pod. What was the website we were creating? Podcastmachine.org or something Podwack. like that? Podwack.org. Podwack. <laughs> Podwack.gov. That should, be our, that should be our page. There yeah, you go. Podwack. There. No one take that. Just like we created Mailbag Monday, mm-hmm. we created Podwack.org. Um, speaking of Mailbag Monday, we still have two questions left. Leftovers. That we're going to get to. Kept so them, we'll finish those off at the, the end fridge. of the show. Tons to get you there, but we saw an article in The Athletic, and by the way, tweeted the show link today from the show account, and Mike Archibald on Twitter, bit of a call out. He says, I know the offseason is slow, but I get a chuckle knowing what's on the agenda when an article from The Athletic drops. First of all, Mike, (laughs) it's not just The Athletic we steal from. (laughs) Second of all, it is August 10th. Feel free to give us an idea of what to talk sure. about, Michael. We do five shows a week, dude. Why do you think we're answering Mailbag Monday questions on <laughs> yeah, Thursday? exactly. <laughs> like, give me a break, man. You produce five hours of hockey content in freaking August. In August. Yeah, I think yeah. he was saying it with a smile. But, no, uh, I, I take that oh, yeah, in jest. No, yeah. I texted our Screw buddy Charlie Romeliotis <laughs> yesterday and asked him why he fired James Navo as a yeah. joke. Um, and he said, we were just shooting a shit, and he said, I, I don't know how you guys do five shows a week. I said, neither do I. Neither do we. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it's, out It's how. like I said at the end of yesterday's show. We'll come up with something in 23 hours. <laughs> yeah. 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 Give it give it one cycle, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll figure something out. You know, last offseason, we were blessed with a lot of news. Yep. And we've, so far this offseason, you know, we've had some very newsworthy things come yep. across. You know, some good, some really bad, but, you know. You take it as, as as it comes, and I almost would rather have this type of summer though, where it's just like, well, maybe something will happen, maybe not, not necessarily newsy yeah, every day. Awesome. Last summer was like summer of speculation. Yeah, uh, you know what's going to happen with Taze? What's going to happen with Kane? Are they going to trade? Are they going to stay? Are they going to retire? Who's pissed at who? Like, yeah. that's exhausting. Now it's now the stuff we're doing is fun because we're talking about the future. The future. We're and, talking about. Connor yeah. Bedard and, and all the aspects there, and that's actually What's where we're possible. Gonna, yeah. yeah, quiet off seasons usually means things are going well. I yes. would say so. Right when you when you have no newsworthy items from June to September, things are going pretty good for your franchise. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. So. Yeah, you're, I not, you're so. not making a lot of roster changes. No one's getting fired. I I yeah. Let's have a really nice quiet off. Well, next year, next couple summers might be. Crazy come free agent time. And we'll still be bored in August. 
right. I would think. Yeah. Yeah, August August is the worst month of the uh it's tough of the but year. We're closer to September, which means we're closer mm-hmm. to closer to the month where hockey begins, uh including training camp and all that great That's, stuff. So according to our chat, it looks like Caleb Jones is heading to the uh Hurricanes. Ooh. Interesting See? news. There we go. Right our normal Quick, twenty-four change the headlines. <laughs> you know, our normal twenty-four hour cycle. <laughs> yes. it would have worked. They, the, the hurricanes thought we started at two. They didn't know the schedule yeah. change. Had this been a normal day, that would be the topic of our show. See how this From, works. Are we going to get the old uh, "this happened to a team, not the Blackhawks"? So all of a sudden, Caleb Jones is great. Like it oh, happened yeah, with Olimata. Oh, um, well, it's the hurricanes. It's the hurricanes. Yeah. So what I'm a sure. Signing. What it's, a brilliant move. Gonna, he's he's going to have – Seth Jones is going to have the worst contract in his show. Caleb's going to have the best. Well, it's just over league minimum, and he's certainly worth more than that. Look, and this is a good opportunity for Caleb to uh, showcase himself on a good team, maybe find a permanent role in, the, in their top six. Can he crack their top six? That's the question. question. That's the question, and that's – I well, mean – they're saying they're still trying to trade Pesci, and that's going to – But you're not going to get Carlson, so why? Is it – is his contract bad? Here's like, their, am I missing something? Well, they, Aho's extension kicks in. They uh, still got to give yeah. uh, somebody else is due for a is, pay raise. Aho's kicks Fetch, in next year. Right. Is Svechnikov due an extension? No, and Pesci's a free agent after this year, so that's not... Mm. All right. So here's what you got defensively for okay. the... Uh, not including Caleb Jones. Dmitry Orlov, uh, Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Tony D'Angelo, Pudwack. Dylan Coughlin and uh, Jason Jalen Chatfield. No, there's he's not, your. Eight. He doesn't crack their top six. Yeah, he's he, gonna be. Uh, I was gonna say he's gonna be playing with the Wolves, but they're that's not, not affiliated a thing anymore. anymore. Yeah. Is yeah. it this? It's not the Checkers again, right? Charlotte Checkers. I don't know because they. I don't because they went to Florida. I think it was. Yes, they're the Florida team. It's very hard to keep track of every. Yeah, year. I don't know where. I think. Yeah. I think the Hurricanes are gonna have to like loan their guys out to multiple mm. teams. Maybe some of them are the Wolves. Maybe he will play for. I don't know. Well, good for him, man. I'm happy he's got a hey, deal. Hey, I would rather have Caleb Jones on my blue line than Tony D'Angelo for a myriad of reasons. Yes. You know, none of them have to do with Tony D'Angelo being a pudwack. He's not a good hockey player. Well, he people seem to be convinced he is. I'm I not, I'm not as sold. You know who else is a free agent after this season on the Hurricanes besides Brett Pesci? Davo. Bring him back. No, that's such, mm. a, that's such a heel should not be name moved. Yeah, but he's yeah, still but good. He's st- yeah, he's still, he'd still be worth it. I, don't know. I wouldn't be against it, but we got still three weeks of August left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got time. We got time. I wouldn't be against that move, but mm, for like a two-year deal, fine. All right, because we can get into that leads into what we want to talk about. You don't want to sign these veterans these long-term deals. Well, that's a so that's a that's a good He'll jumping-off point. Twenty-nine before this season. He'll. Be thirty before the start of next season. This will be a big deal. I, I imagine this will be a pretty sizable deal for Tavo when he becomes a free agent, whether it's in Carolina or elsewhere. Um, he only makes five point four. This will probably be his big contract. I'd imagine term so. and with money, I would think. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, he's since he's gotten to Carolina, uh, his first year, forty-two points in eighty-one games. Second season, sixty-four points in eighty-two, seventy-eight. Or 76 points in 82, 63 and 68. Then uh, the 2020-2021 season, he was hurt. 15 points in 21 games. Uh, two seasons ago, 65 points in 77 games. Last year, I think he was still battling injuries. Again, 37 points in 68 games. But that's pretty consistent once he's developed yeah. into yeah. you know, a, a, a more mature game. NHL player. Yeah, Yeah, I just know. 
if you're saying this is going to be his last big contract, I wouldn't, not the Hawks, I wouldn't give him four, five, six years. No. I don't think so. No. Maybe four. I think he's got four good years left. The injuries have been concerning, though. Five years him. at $6.5 million. And he's uh, benefited from being on a line with Al Svechnikov for a while. That helps. Well, if he came here, he'd have a pretty good line me too, I would think. I would think he would probably play with Colin yeah, him and him and uh, Colin Blackwell would be awesome together. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, I, I, I always compare Reichel to Teravainen. Yeah. A young Teravainen. Yeah. So then we don't need old, maybe, older maybe, Teravainen. We've got well, young Well, maybe Teravainen. they play together. <laughs> two two Teravainens, young Teravainen and old Teravainen. Two Teravainens, wow. Well, we all know <laughs> if we have a young and version of something. And who plays between two Tevos? <laughs> You need an old version to come in and teach them. That's that's the thing, and there it is. Yeah. That sort of leads us into our our what we're going to talk about today. Alan Mitchell, who covers the Oilers for the Athletic, published a piece today saying what Bla- what the Blackhawks can learn from the Oilers about winning with a generational talent, and he kind of goes through everything the Oilers did wrong, which was everything, which was a lot, a lot. And first, I first move hiring Peter Chirelli right after that was like, yeah, what are you doing? So he goes through kind of item by item, and I think as we go through this list, I'm not going to read the whole thing because he did the work. Uh, you can find it at theathletic.com, obviously. Um, but I'm going to kind of go item by item, and I think when we get to the end of this list, you're getting this again from a, the perspective of someone in Edmonton. I think Hawks fans are going to hear this and feel really good about how things are going. So here are the must-avoid areas for the Blackhawks organization, according to Alan Mitchell. Number one. Change everywhere doesn't work. On April 18th, 2015, the Oilers won the draft lottery. Six days later, Peter Chiarelli was introduced as a team's new GM. On May 19th, Todd McClellan was named a new head coach. On June 22nd, the Oilers fired scouting director Stu McGregor and pro scout Maury Gare. So you've got a whole bunch of change happening as your organization is taking on its most important piece. That would have been right before that draft, too, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it right? Was right after the draft. It was in between the lottery and the draft. Yeah. Yep. A, a team uh, yeeting their scouting department, <laughs> head of their scouting department before the draft is an interesting choice. Yeah, and it, it cost them dearly uh, with, with the trade from that draft, as he mentions. Um, but it, it seemed to me that the Oilers went from like, okay, we're getting Connor McDavid – we got to go and win right now. Right. Yeah. They, or we got to get good right we get, away. We got to get yeah, yeah. we got to get the general manager that's that that has a you know, a Stanley Cup on his resume. And we got to we just we got to we're contenders now. We have Connor McDavid. And that didn't work. No, it did not. Um so the Hawks on the other hand, Kyle Davidson's been in charge since 2021. He knows the organization, he knows the scouts. Luke Richardson's been ingrained for a year. So check that box. Hawks have done that right. They didn't freak out and go hire Mike Babcock because Connor Bedard was coming in. Good move. Number two, get everyone on the same page. One of the issues the Oilers ran into was player assessment. Time and time again, the GM would procure a talent thought to be NHL ready, only to find Coach McClellan uneasy with the idea of turning a young, unproven youngster into an NHL regular. Classic example is Jesse Pugliarvi. That they sounds had familiar. Jordan Eberle, Christopher Stieg, Zach Cassie, and then Chiarelli wanted Pugliarvi to play. McClellan did not. Pugliarvi struggled and continues to struggle in his NHL career. Yeah. So coaches, GM on the same page seems to be. And so we've far. had experience with coaches and GMs uh, with this team not on the same page. Yeah. And how that's worked out, how 
you know, a, a GM wants to shoehorn a prospect uh, into a position before they're ready and development gets stunted and, you know, a player is in a spot where they're not put to succeed. Uh, comes to mind Ian Mitchell. Uh, former GM uh, wanted Ian Mitchell to be a thing in the NHL, be a guy in the NHL uh, way earlier than I think he was actually ready for. And I think also too, as we'll, you know, a a point that uh, that's made in the article is that was also a misevaluation. Like that was a guy who maybe the ceiling wasn't as high as those eyes uh, perceived it to be. Yeah, no, there was plenty of examples of that. Ian Mitchell, Dylan Secura was mm-hmm. one of those guys. Adam Boquist. Adam Boquist. Kirby ha- Dock. Uh, Henry Yoki Haru yep. came up way too early yep. and then given up way too early. Yep. Plenty of examples. Like, the Dylan Secura thing was so odd, where it was like he was, what, a fifth rounder? Sixth, sixth round, sixth I rounder, think. And yeah. all of a sudden... One summer, that's all we were hearing about. Dylan Secura, Dylan Secura. And they tried so hard to God make so him far. a thing. And he was real good for the In Ice the Hogs. End. It doesn't even matter. And I like Dylan Secura as a guy, really nice guy. Talked to him a lot in Rockford. Dylan Secura's biggest problem was when he got to the faceoff dot, he wouldn't go any closer. He stopped. He, yeah. It was like an electric fence with a dog collar. Yeah. As soon as he hit the faceoff dot, he'd stop. He wouldn't get any closer. He just wanted to be a perimeter mm-hmm. player. That can work in the AHL. Yeah, get and you, in college. Get you, get you 30 goals in the AHL and college. NHL, you got to go between the dots. Well, it's good from the Hawks' perspective that the GM seems to be the most patient one. Yeah. yeah. Saying, hey, I'm not rushing anybody. No one's going to come up here. Like, and we've been talking about it. We talked about it with Chris Peters about Kevin Korchinski and what the plan might be. And if we know anything about, Luke, uh, about Kyle Davidson, they're going to be really conservative with that. They're not going to rush him by any means. And if they see anything in his game where they say, eh, not so sure, it's back to Seattle with him and just let him go dominate and do what he can do. And I know it's not ideal. You'd rather him in Rockford, but you can't. So it's instead not, of him floundering, especially with defensemen. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not fun to have your you know brand new toy stay in the stay in the box but you'd rather Korchinski when he gets here be ready to go like you 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 don't want to see any I mean you're gonna see growing pains but you don't want to see a guy looking like he doesn't belong out there but forced to be out there because he's here so yeah I I I agree with Chris I, I still agree that I'd still lean towards be patient with him um, maybe he plays more than nine games. Fine. But if he has, if he's playing all 82, which I don't foresee happening, but if he is, it's going to have to be because he has no doubt proven at 19 years old he can do it and he's ready to, to shoulder yeah, that uh, yeah. responsibility. Yeah, and I think that will be the case. He'll play the full season if he shows he can. Yeah. They're not going to just put him out there saying, well, we don't want to send you back to the WHL, so go get him, Slugger. No, it's good. They're, it's He'll stay beyond the nine games only if he's shown without a shadow of a doubt he can do it. When yeah. you let him go be a massive part of Team Canada's World Junior Championship, too. Yeah, that's why I say, like, I don't think he's going to be here for all 82 no, games. Because yeah. he's at least going to go do that. Yeah, you could keep him here and then in December release him to go yeah. to Team Canada. Let and him the time go back that. to Seattle. Yeah, I mean... I wanted to get into it a little more with, with Chris Peters on the Kevin Korchinski, but, you know, we were just running short on time. But 
I think having Luke Richardson and Kevin Dean here make it different would would make a difference as opposed to when we've had some of the uh, you know other young defensemen get up here and like those two guys are going to know how to mm-hmm. nurture him and mm-hmm. shelter him when need be and get him in positions to succeed not just throw him out there on the top pairing and say all right let's see what you got they're not going to give him anything he can't handle yeah and i think when we look at it from a davidson perspective too i think what he did after learning he won the draft lottery in terms of player acquisition he did not stray from what he did last year it's the same thing yeah the only difference is taylor hall but that makes all the sense in the world is to have somebody that can play with Bedard and handle themselves. Right. But it's a short term. And it's, it's still short term. It's two years. And even, so. even Taylor Hall is pretty close to equivalent to bringing in a guy like Max Domi. Yeah. Bringing in an Andres at the yeah, NCU. Like, like Hall is a little bit higher, but still, still it's a pretty close. Guy. Yeah. He's yeah. not, he's not, it's not like trading for Taylor Hall when, you know, six, the seven years ago. Yeah. And then he won a heart trophy, you know, the following year. Right. Right. But my point being, if it wasn't clear, is that Davison has not suddenly changed course because Bedard's here. Right. No, no. Right. It, he is. He's not trading for Eric Carlson. He's not giving up prospects to get veterans. Yeah. He's bringing in guys that fit his time frame and serve a purpose. Yeah. yeah. He didn't, he didn't trade this year's extra draft well, first round pick. They mentioned or, in the article that, you know, that same Connor McDavid draft, they traded the 16th and 33rd pick for Griffin Reinhardt, who was a stiff. Yeah. But because one of the new guys they brought in was his coach or something when he was in the WHL, yeah. I said, oh, I love this kid. This kid was great uh, four years ago when he was playing against 16-year-olds. Right. And that 16th pick was Matthew Barzell. Could you imagine getting Connor McDavid and Matthew Barzell in the same draft? That would have been pretty good for the Oilers. I mean, they probably would have drafted a defenseman because they were trading for a defense, but there were still some good yeah. defensemen that were so out So that there. is the next, the next thing here from, uh, from the author. Pro scouts need to scout pros. Like you mentioned, Edmonton said that, that draft, after drafting McDavid, 16 and 33 to the Islanders for Griffin Reinhardt. It was Barzal and Mitchell Stevens. Um, Reinhardt struggled, was not good. Not good in a pro, not a good enough skater. The I deal co- was a I disaster. I covered him for a season with the, uh, with the Wolves. Four years after that trade, he was playing with the Chicago yeah. Wolves. So you, yeah. you mentioned the defenseman thing. Edmonton's amateur scouts were rumored to be focused on Joel Erickson Eck and Brandon Carlo with those two picks. So maybe it wasn't uh, Matthew Barzal, but still. Still. A really good player in that spot. Yeah. And better than Griffin Reinhardt. Both that's of those for sure. guys the, are light years ahead of Griffin these, Reinhardt. Some of the names available had the Oilers been at 16. Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, Thomas Shabbat, Joel Erickson Eck, Brock Besser, Travis Konechny, uh, Anthony Beauvillier. Into the second round, you got uh, Travis Dermott, Sebastian Ajo. Like, yeah. All these Keep going. You're still better Brand- than Griffin Reinhardt. Brandon, Brandon <laughs> Carlo is there. Hour. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 yeah. As far as uh, look, like the immediacy of having to put players around Connor Bedard, uh, it, that's what the the Oilers did to try and they like, oh, everybody has to be here now because McDavid's here, but with Bedard. You have, you had the the you had him picked this year. Then you got Oliver Moore yeah. in the first round too. So even if Oliver Moore is two three years down the road, 
a 21-year-old Oliver Moore with a 21-year-old Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard, and both of them are like ready to go NHLers, that's great. You you can you can work with that. And as Bedard and Frank Nazar and Kevin Korchinski and all these guys that we've uh, been ex- you know expecting to become you know that new group of NHLers as they mature and become those full-time NHLers that new that new core in Chicago with what Davidson has done is make sure that there are enough potential future assets that it's not just going to be those guys it'll be those guys for maybe four five six years and then there'll be another group of former first and second round and third round picks that'll be coming through and be like wow now Bedard is 25 and he's got this up and coming you know, 20 year old mm-hmm. that was a first round pick or a second round pick that we're, you know, excited to see develop. And now there's a new young guy to come play with them. That's something that a lot of contending teams will mortgage that future to just be like, well, this is the group that we have now for the next five years. And that's what we're going to go with. Like mm-hmm. with Davidson, it's the, it's the foresight to say, yeah, we can go with this group for a couple of years, but people need to come behind them. To make to not to not only keep the keep the window open now, but when that group of five, six, seven guys ages out, there's another group behind them. So there's no potential for no no lapse in time where you have to think retool, rebuild, burn it all down, and start over. Like the plan is to avoid that as much as possible. Well, you could say that's where the dynasty ended when the Hawks stopped doing that. But the, the other problem was bad contracts cost them a lot of those guys that they were able to right. draft and develop like Tavo Teravina who we mentioned earlier and Brandon Saad and like as those even looking now like Alex to bring it like yeah. guys that you drafted and developed that you couldn't keep for one reason or another due to mostly salary restraints the bring different because you traded him for assets because you knew you weren't going to win anything while he was under right. contract and you weren't willing to pay him the nine million dollars he's asking for so you got assets for him fine um but it, it's I just I there when you I think when you see these trades for like 2026 you're like uh it feels like unreal it feels yeah. like forever from now but over 24 25 26 they've got three I'm sorry five first round picks they have eight second round picks and four third round picks over those three years yeah that is how you keep refreshing the system and if Bedard's what you think he is and Nazar and Moore and Reichel are what you think they are, and Gorchinsky's what you think he is, and on and on, you're going to have to make some tough decisions, and then hopefully when those decisions come, you've got someone ready to come up and fill in that hole yeah. from your organization instead of having to scramble and overpay for a free agent. And those extra picks can also be currency. They don't, yeah. you don't, you don't want to pay for a big free agent. You can use one of those extra second, third, first-round picks to go out and get a proven guy that's under contract for two, three, four years. Or what they did with with Perry and Felino and Hall is you trade for their deals as their deals are expiring and you re-sign them. Right. You know, there's assets are never a bad thing. Um, The next thing here is don't trade impact players on value deals. Um, They go back to the Adam Larson for Taylor Hall trade. They needed a stay-at-home defenseman, so they traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Look, Adam Larson's a nice player. But he's not a Taylor Hall-level player, especially at the time that deal was made. And the Hawks don't really have anyone like that, but I think my first thought with that is Connor Murphy, is you might be looking to fill that stay-at-home defenseman hole for a long time, especially on the right side, 
and you might want to be tempted to trade Connor Murphy, but he's right there. He's reliable. Yeah. He's a leader. Hang on to people like that because of the con because of the value. Yeah. I, I, currently, they don't really have that that issue where there's going to be anybody of significance that's signed long term or that is signed to a contract that you're like, wow, they're getting a tremendous value out of that. But like you said, like avoiding the situation where it's like, well, we need to improve this position. So let's, let's, you know, take away from something that's, that's working fine to address another thing. It's, it's just trying to plug holes with, you know, holes in the boat with when you only got two fingers and there's too many, you know, things to, uh, to juggle at one time. You kind of just have to, figure like if if something needs addressing don't don't do it to don't address it to the detriment of something else because then you're always going to have a problem to i believe to the try old, and fix the old phrase that goes to that is uh don't rob peter to pay paul yeah i've heard that before yeah, yeah. like don't yeah you create one problem you solve one problem by creating another right yeah um but again we're talking about the oilers who are a team Still to this day, not very deep on the organizational depth chart. Yeah. So they had to do that. Where I know none of these guys have come to fruition yet, but it's starting to appear that the Blackhawks are on the right track to have organizational depth. Mm-hmm. Where if you need to trade an established player to get something you don't have, you could probably get away with that a little bit more if you have a young guy on an entry-level contract that can come in and produce right away at that position. Or you look at what the Hawks are doing, and they keep drafting in every position. Yeah. Like f- Up until last year, it was like Blackhawks have a really good uh, depth chart on the blue line prospect, but they don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Outside of Lucas Reichel, there is nothing forward. It took two drafts to rectify that. Yeah. You still have the deep defensive uh, prospect pool, but now you've gotten deep at forward. You've gotten deep at center, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got some wingers. You're starting to add some size now. Next year's supposed to be a really good de- year for defensemen, so maybe you add a couple more defensive prospects in, knowing that, hey, you know, they could be the next group three, four years from now that follow the, the, the group that's coming up now. Yeah. So j- just keep reloading. I mean, that so far, so good. It may change as the Hawks start to compete. You may start giving up more of those draft picks to acquire deadline deals. Yeah. We, we saw it here during the cup teams. But at that point, hopefully you're trading away, you know, 28th overall, 31st overall, yeah. not fourth, fifth, sixth. Right. Yeah. So it takes away the sting a little bit. But you still need to have – those picks you can't go three four years without a first round pick because eventually you're just gonna run out like just let's see where the the lightning are here in a couple years and some of these other teams the vegas golden knights the bruins yeah the bruins the penguins like yeah they had cup windows but now they're going to be entering times eventually all those teams are going to get into a time where it's going to get really lean and real dark look and i don't have a problem with what you know boston and and tampa are doing because they're like, look, this is our window. Yeah, right. Oh, like for sure. The uh, the uh, the point of being a hockey team is to win Stanley Cups. That is that is the primary focus of an NHL team. Mm-hmm. So if you truly feel your window's open, then go for it. It worked out with for them with Brandon Hagel. They didn't win the cup, but he was a really huge addition for them. Tanner Janot, eh, 
Not yeah, as well. Yeah, right. It hasn't worked out as well so far, but they're constantly going for it. And, yeah, when Steven Samkos is ready to retire and Victor Hedman's ready to retire, and then they're going to kind of – they're going to suck for a while. But – they're a good enough organization where they can pull themselves out of it pretty quickly. Traded away like almost two draft classes for Brandon Hangel and Tanner Janot. Yeah, yeah. like right. it's, who again, nice players for what they're trying to accomplish now. But in 2027, when those two guys are on your top line and you got nothing else, it's going to be kind of ugly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Next one is don't sign aging veterans to long, expensive deals, and they cite the Milan Lucic deal that was signed in 2016-17, seven years, 42 million. God. A $6 million cap hit. Everybody knew Oof. that deal sucked except for the two guys. That signed. I mean, let's say one guy yeah, that signed it. Luchas probably knew, I'm ripping you off, but I don't yeah. care. Right. I've hit the, um, this is my gravy train. This is my retirement fund. I'm good to go. Everybody just screwed up else. everything. Yeah. Everybody, when that deal happened, laughed at it and said, what are you doing? That was, that was part of that free agency class of 2016 where it was like that summer, it was like every major free agent deal sucked like yeah. like there was no value on re- on return from from i think any of those deals and lucic was part of it and there's a lot of gms getting themselves fired that summer yeah yeah so yeah and i we've definitely had that experience here before kyle davidson was on the the staff of the former gm for a long time yeah. and saw firsthand what handing out contracts to aging players uh who for the length of that contract, maybe only two of seven years they're going to be productive for it. It's not worth it. And it, and, it, and it puts you into really challenging situations with the cap, which even though the cap is expected to go up uh, significantly in the next season or two, you still don't want to have to worry about playing with your hands tied behind your back because of salary cap issues. And there was an opportunity for him to, you know, Give Jonathan Taze a contract extension. Give Patrick Kane a contract extension. Keep them here. They're the faces of your franchise. Let them be Blackhawks for life. Give them five, six, seven-year deals to end their careers. And he said, nah, we need to move on. Those guys are getting towards the, that, that back end of their career. That downward slide is coming. There's no reason to give them these long extensions, which I think previous management may have done. So I, I think with, with Davidson, um, he's, he has the eye towards the future. He has the emphasis on, you know, the, the, the value that he's going to, the players that he's going to value as long-term pieces are the young guys, the, the fast guys, the skill guys, um, the guys that are likely going to be productive for the length of their contracts. It's, you know, you're not bringing in Corey Perry on longer than a one-year deal. Right. So I, I well, even I, like you look at Taylor Hall and you feel like if this was the last regime, they may have already announced an extension with Hall. Right. Yeah. You know, once they're allowed years, to five like, million yeah. by the year two that you're like, what do we do here? What, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing? Well, you can guarantee the last regime would have re-signed at the very least Kane. Yeah. Kane would already have a three, three, four year deal in his yeah. back pocket. You can guarantee that. Definitely. And we wouldn't have Connor Bedard because you wouldn't, Correct. Have, you wouldn't have blown it up. Yeah. That's right. Uh, last one here is push hard to improve, but don't sacrifice the future for now. And that, that's what we're talking about with mm-hmm. Felino, Hall, Perry, those kind of moves. Um, you give away some draft picks. You give away some – I think there was a minor league player moved in one of those, right? In where? Oh, Mitchell was in the uh, – Mitchell and um, – Regula. Regula. 
were in the Hall and Felino trade. Yeah, but those aren't. Those are yes. They're not key pieces to your future. They're not guys you're going. I don't think you were going to look back one day and go, "God, we should have never traded Alec Regula." I like Alec Regula. Yeah, me too. But two, I think he he tops out at maybe a sixth, two two third pair NHL defensemen yeah. at their ceiling. At yeah, yeah, that's the ceiling. likely. Yeah, like for all for they probably have just as good a chance of being, maybe even a better chance of being career AHL defensemen. Than playing 500 games in the NHL, right? Yeah, so I, yeah, I would I would think that could be the case, and and yeah, I, if you have to part ways with with guys like that, um, that's I mean that's where your pro scouting staff makes a huge difference in the evaluation of of your own players. Like, don't overvalue your guys in a league wide uh, spectrum because they're your guys, like. You have to keep a realistic evaluation of them, and I know as fans, <clears throat> as fans, all of our all of our prospects are the best prospects in the world. Coyotes, they have the best top prospect in the world, oh, yeah, Logan Cooley. They do. Um, but you have your your scouting staff, your 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 coaching staff, management all has to keep a realistic um, vision of of who the guys are that you have, and and not just say, oh, well, we we think he can be this, but. Around the league, you look at all the other players that are in other systems. How do they stack up? Is he actually is is Alec Regula actually a number four defenseman, or do you just hope that he is? Right. I think that's that's where you know your pro scouting staff really has to be on key. Well, and and it also was a trade to get those guys more. Your those guys have already been overtaken by a whole bunch of guys since they've been here. Yeah. Like when they first arrived, they were top two or three defensive prospects. Now, seven, eight. Yeah. Like, you know, Del Mastro, Korchinski. It's not Allen, getting better for them in Boston either. Vlasic. Right. Uh, Kaiser, Phillips have all passed them up. And they're not getting that back here. Right. So it was more of, yeah, these guys could be nice players, but we got better guys coming and let's give them a shot somewhere else. And Boston was just like, yeah, you kind of have to give us something for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not it's not tradition that we would just kind of basically go through someone's entire article, but I think it's interesting perspective from someone as close to the Edmonton Oilers uh, was able to just kind of go and say, here's some mistakes the Oilers made. And it's, it is th- literally the opposite of what the Hawks are doing. Yeah. It's the, the, the blueprint – for McDavid was was not uh, you know and and was was not going to succeed and I think a lot of people outside of the Oilers organization could see that was was going to be the case and you know when you say when everyone makes these arguments about oh yeah just getting a generational talent doesn't mean you're going to be a contender right away the the blueprint from the Oilers is exactly the reason that that people believe that because Connor McDavid here he is and in, in going into year eight nine of his career he's never played in a stanley cup final you know he's played in one western conference final and didn't win a game so you know it it it, it takes more than just one player and and i think it's it's as the article lays out it is a very very valuable lesson that blackhawks management can can learn from is that yes you have bedard but and as kyle davidson has clearly stated it doesn't end with Connor bedard solely like he needs all there's going to need to be a a lot of help and a team around him to make it work well look you there's no more no further evidence in that than right here 
is you had Patrick Kane, you had another one in Jonathan Taves, but those two alone, when all the help dried up, when the depth dried up, when it was those two and a bunch of other guys, they couldn't make anything happen. And, yeah, they were aging and there were other factors too, but, like, what made those Hawks teams great was not just Kane and Taves. It was Hosa, Keith, Seaver. It was all the depth they had accrued and developed and drafted and signed and traded for, and it all came together beautifully. Mm -hmm. And then the problem was when it came time for those reload guys to come, like we mentioned, Saad, Teravainen, you couldn't keep them because you had too many long, bad deals. And that's where you have to be careful. Yeah. And I have a lot of faith that Kyle Davidson will be careful. Um, And he's just really a smart guy. So smart, in fact, that I wonder if he went to Lewis University. I don't think he did. He's from Sud. He's from Sudbury, so he might have went to college in Canada. The Ivy League. He strikes me that way. Does Does Lewis have a uh, a a branch in Sudbury, Ontario? I believe it does. Yes, I believe it. I think it's Oakbrook, Romeoville, and Sudbury, Sudbury, Ontario. Yes, yes. Uh, But students just like you and Kyle Davidson, with full time jobs, families, and full time sports fandoms, are going back to school to earn their respected degree. At my alma mater, Lewis University, it's 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville and is ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges. Lewis partners with all sorts of employers. For tuition discounts, you've got evening online classes, blended formats to help you get that balance. Every adult student is different. You need different things. Lewis is adaptable in that way, and their faculty brings real-world experience and instruction to the classroom which is very, very helpful for someone looking to continue their education. They offer career support and academic resources for adult students. And if you're looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll a professional certificate program, go to lewisu.edu slash you can do this and take a look at some of the programs they offer like criminal justice, public safety, data science, computer science, cybersecurity, and business analytics. That's the grad programs, the adult undergrad our computer science, aviation maintenance technology certificates, business analytics, criminal justice, business programs, tech programs. Check it out, lewisu.edu slash you can do this and discover how a degree from Lewis can help you build a better world. Again, lewisu.edu slash you can do this. And when you're looking to unwind after a long day of college courses, you need to hit up the Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary because they are your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping, a place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of high-quality products. Sunnyside has everything you need to elevate your summer. It is your one-stop shop for all your cannabis needs, no matter where you are on your cannabis journey. They offer easy online ordering and in-store pickup and a great transparent loyalty program called the Sunnyside Rewards program sunnyside has tons of in-house brands uh to choose from no matter how you want your cannabis journey to go you have the mindy's the best tasting gummy and chocolate edibles created by james beard award-winning chef mindy siegel and cresco labs they have the good news gummies uh, that also have our come with rechargeable vape pens a cart perfect for great moments with the crew the high supply which offers quality weed that's always available buds are expertly grown lab tested and available in vape carts vape pens flour which is old school marijuana as you guys told me yeah uh popcorn shakes pre-rolls shorties and concentrates uh and many many more that you can find uh with the good people at sunnyside and through the month of august head to sunnyside.shop and use the promo code CHGO25 at checkout. 
and you're going to get 25% off of your total order. Uh, that is one use per customer, not stackable with other promotions, but it's not only for new customers. Anyone can use our CHGO code. Again, that's CHGO25 at checkout when you go to sunnyside.shop and pick up everything you need to elevate your summer. Must be 21 or older or an Illinois medical card holder. I was at the Schaumburg location this weekend. Lovely, nice. lovely time. Really stocked up. Great stuff. Um, all right, we got a couple mailbag questions we didn't get to uh, on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, so we're going to get to them today. I think we got two left, right, Steven? Yeah, just two. First right. one here from Roy Jackson. The Blackhawks have not had a Lady Bing trophy winner since Stan Mikita in 1968. <laughs> is this the year the drought ends? Who is the most gentlemanly player on the roster? Who can break the curse of crassness? I, will, I know that's the trophy. Like, we're all dying. I know. That's the, that's, the, that's the hottest trophy out there that you want to win. <laughs> I will say this. In my NHL 23 franchise with <laughs> the Blackhawks, uh, I am heading into the 2029-2030 season. Uh, and Connor, Bede- Connor Bedard, Connor, Connor Bedavid almost came out of my <laughs> lap. Draft that kid. Together. Con- Take him. Connor Bedard is a uh, reigning, defending, three-peat uh, Laney Bing winner. So, I mean, I could actually see, not three in a row, but I could see him. I don't foresee him being a guy that racks up a lot of penalty minutes. I don't know. 62 uh, penalty minutes last year in 57 games. Well, I mean, he's a, a goon. He's a total goon. I mean, life is tough in Regina. <laughs> uh, you know, they. Regina. Regina. Uh, Not Regina. Right. Regina. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't see him taking a lot of penalty minutes in the NHL, at least eventually. There may be a few stick penalties and holding penalties yeah. early in his career as he adjusts to the speed. Sure. But eventually. Yeah. If he's got the puck all the time, how is he going to get penalties? <laughs> Carry it, slash a guy. Right, like the yeah. I mean, it was like <laughs> the, the reverse slash. I mean, it was like Patrick Kane rarely ever had. The only, I mean, the only penalty Patrick Kane ever got was a high sticking penalty after a guy would strip yep. the puck from him. Right. But if you've got the puck all the time, how are you committing penalties unless you're Andrew Shaw? Ask uh, Pavel Datsuk. Right. <laughs> there yeah. you go. That he always wanted to bang because he always had the puck. Yeah. Yep. You, you, well, can't, you can't be called for holding if you have the puck. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bedard definitely comes off as a guy who's not going to go out there looking to pick fights or start any you know bad blood with any players because, I mean, obviously penalty minutes, but also how you act on the ice right. will uh, affect uh, you know how, how people perceive you out there. Is the, i got to look this up real quick. I'll try and answer my own question. Is the Lady Bing voted on by writers or by the players? I don't know. I don't think it's voted by players. I think that's, I think that's a writer's one um but the fun part of voting is conducted at the end of the regular season by members of the professional hockey writers association okay gotcha Uh, they'll like to get some hardware in bedard's hands quickly well you got the calder memorial trophy i don't know a top prospect in the world logan cooley yeah logan cooley i mean as our friend of the program cam robinson did say there is going to be a pretty good rookie class uh this season but bedard is still head and shoulders the leader of it um, but I think that's that's potential hardware that uh, could be going into his trophy case pretty soon. Lady Bing could be out there uh, down the road, maybe a Rocket Richard. There's at least five or six hearts waiting for him. Yeah. Uh, the fun, my favorite part about the Stan Makita and the uh, Lady Bing was in 1963-64, Stan Makita had 146 penalty minutes. The following season, he had 154 penalty minutes. It's not very gentlemanly. 
the year he won his first Lady Bing. So we're talking two years after those back-to-back seasons. 1966-67, he had 12. The following year, 14. So he completely changed re- his game. I think it coincides also when they realized when he you know, famously broke his stick in practice but kept it and then realized, oh, if I curve the stick, <laughs> I could shoot it really fast right at the goalies who aren't wearing masks' head, and I'll probably get a lot more goals. Yeah. I think that coincides, the timing with that. Isn't the, isn't I can tell you specifically what happened. It's in my book. I was going to say, there's a story about Sam Akita's yeah. daughter said to him, why are you always sitting over there in the penalty box and not sitting with your friends? Yep. His daughter was, I think, five years old at the time, and he looked at her and was and. Decided to change the way he played after that. That's yeah. it. That's the story. His daughter said, how come you're always not sitting with your friends at the game? Yeah. And, and he said, you know what? You're right. I'm not sitting with my friends at the game. <laughs> I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to – I have the, uh, the rough draft of my book here. See if I can find it. The Draw most it. penalty minutes uh, that a player has accrued that has won the Lady Bing uh, in, let's say, the last uh, – hundred years that have actually played more than you know the original six amount of games is Wayne Gretzky in 1992 he had 34 penalty minutes that's it yeah I mean it's usually it's the type of award that you look at the list you look at the guy who's got the fewest penalty minutes that played in a regular role yeah usually it's a, a skilled guy high points Low, low penalty, penalty minutes and low pudwactum usually. Yeah. I know Bobby Hall has a Lady Bing, but yeah. usually. Um, so here's the quote from Sam Makita. He says, his daughter said, quote, when the guy with the stripes on his shirt blew the whistle, why did you have to skate all the way on the other side of your friends to sit alone? Why did you do that, Daddy? Didn't you like those players? Makita responded, well, honey, that meant Daddy did something bad and he had to go sit out for two minutes. Her reaction made me stop and think, if our baby daughter sees this and feels something is wrong, why can't I? Such an innocent child thing to say. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's a cool story. See? That is a great story. There's hope for all pudwacks out there. You can turn there it around are. and stop going I to can the change. box. You can change. Yeah. We all can change. Right. Tell him, Rocky. Balboa. All right, next one. Last one. All right, this one from Cole Wyatt. Which movie scene makes you misty-eyed every time you watch it? For me, it's The Old Man. Old Private Ryan at the end of Saving Private Ryan. Mm. Yeah, good there's one. many moments There's's, in Saving I, Private I Ryan. I cry a that lot at movies. I'm, afraid, I'm not afraid to admit that. Yeah. Oh, I mentioned It's a Wonderful Life uh, that yesterday. Gets, that movie gets me every time. I, I'm crying the entire movie from the minute the <laughs> bell sounds to start the movie till the end. It's just varying. It's like there's a spigot, yeah. and it just changes in intensity. But as soon as Harry Bailey comes home for more and everyone's dumping out their money to oh, yeah. to save uh, the building yeah, alone, no, the, the, as soon as Harry Bailey comes in, it's over. Yeah, it's yeah. over. That it's forget it. Any movie that involves a dog dying, oh mm. god, I'm I'm wrecked for <laughs> days. Don't see if I have I, Legend if you haven't for oh. days. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh my Horrible. god, uh, Turner Horrible. and Hooch scarred me as a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, if if I know that that happens in the movie and is like a significant storyline, I avoid the movie. Like, don't watch Chernobyl either. Oh yeah, I oh, I, I knew it was coming, and I part. I skipped those yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah. Fast. I've watched that that miniseries twice. Yeah, and fast forward skipped through it all both of it. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marley Marley and me. I know the plot. I'm not gonna watch it. No, yeah. If there's a movie where you uh, it's focused on a dog, you're like the dog's gonna die at the end, and I can't handle that. Right. I, I don't even watch those movies. Like I don't care if people die in movies. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> bother me. The be- more the better, actually. Yeah. <laughs> You 
kill off a dog? You ruined my month. Yeah. Exactly. Child get hit by a car? Don't care. Yeah, yeah whatever. They'll get another one. That was probably a mannequin. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I like and uh the horse scene from Never Ending Story ruined. Oh, my oh Jesus yeah. Christ. Oof. That still that's still gets not, me. That's so hard. That's not Fight mis- against that's, the sadness. That's that's, that's oh. full on blubbering like a like that's, a that's such yeah. a hard oh. scene. Anything like that where it's like the Again, it's the, the feeling of, of like the help helplessness. Yeah. You're just like, oh, it just rips at you. Even, right. even not even inanimate objects. When Wilson uh, floats oh, away from Tom Wilson from uh, Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so. I rough. years ago watched they redid it in American version. I think uh, what is it, Man Named Otto or something with yeah. Tom Hanks. Yep. But it's a, it was originally oh. done about ten years ago, a Swedish version. Swedish film. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a book, and I watched the Swedish version, and. Oh my God! Yeah, well, so sad. That's Frederick Bachman, is the author of A Man Named Ove, which is what yeah, the movie's Man based off. Yeah, he wrote uh, a couple book, hockey-based books called Bear Town hmm. that are excellent. So, check the, if you like that. Uh, Bear Town's really good. And that was actually adapted into a television series too. I want to say HBO. It's based on that's what Shorzy's based on. No, it's <laughs> a lot more serious than that. It's yeah, it's not. Uh, Bear Town. It's not a pleasant watch. Is that where but the Give your balls a tug came from the bear. No, town no, it was. A it's called Bears. Bears town. Bear town. Bear town. Bear town. Okay. Yep. Bear I'll have to, I'll have to yep. check it out. Exactly. Yeah. And this is a bear town, so you I, should enjoy uh, it. I this morning had a uh, misty-eyed moment. My uh, daughter loves the Toy Story series of uh, animated f- films, and as as I did as a child and as an adult. Um, and this morning, she specifically asked for Toy Story two. So I said, all right, we'll turn on Toy Story 2, have our breakfast and everything. And uh, I was telling you guys before the show started, she is in this phase where she wants to listen to, like, the sad songs from Disney movies. I feel that. And um, so in Toy Story 2, uh, the uh, character Jesse, played by Joan Cusack. Hold on. Uh, spoilers coming. Yeah, spoiler if you haven't okay. seen Toy Story 2. Um, there's a... She has a, a song that's very sad about her uh, original owner eventually, you know, growing out of toys and stuff. And I know it's coming. <laughs> I've seen this scene for yeah. 20 years or whatever, how long it, however long it's been. And every time that Sarah McLaughlin song starts where it's just like, when somebody loves you, I'm just like, mm, don't yeah. cry in front of your daughter. <laughs> like, yep. it's... It's so sad. So sad. Because I remember as a kid seeing Toy Story and everything and wanting that to be true. Like, oh, if I close my bedroom door, will all my toys start playing and stuff? <laughs> oh, God, you're young. Like, I always remember that. <laughs> and then I remember, like, that feeling of, like, growing out of your toys. Yeah. And, like, you don't think about it as a kid. You're like, oh, these are my old toys. Toss them in the basement. Throw them in the attic. Donate them, whatever. Um, but then you see Toy Story as an adult, and you're like, oh, man, my my toy is like yeah. it's just such a Disney does a really good job of the sad moments in in, in, in films they, I will say they've that they've got a they good have, formula they have a long history of that <laughs> yes yeah, yeah, they've been exactly. doing that long before any of us were around but you're right though like scenes like that you could see them a thousand times and it doesn't that's I, I see It's a Wonderful Life at least once a year. Yeah. We go to the music box on Southport there, and they do it like old-timey theater with the organ playing and everything. Oh, that's The cool. whole experience, and uh, I never... Honestly, God, as soon as those bells chime to start the movie, 
single tier comes, comes and as it yeah. goes, just up and down, up and down. It's. Uh, I remember the uh, Macaulay Culkin funeral scene in My Girl got me Oof. when I saw that. That's rough. And now. Wait, kids can die? And now yeah, right, I yeah. can't get enough of the B memes on uh, the internet. For, <laughs> for the, I love those. <laughs> Stacy gets so mad at me. It eases the pain, though. They are, they are funny. It yeah. eases your pain. It, it, uh, it's comedy. I, Tragedy I, plus time I, equals I, comedy. I will go like hours on end searching for new My Girl <laughs> B memes because I, I can't get enough. They're great. Oh, All right. Gosh. We got to wrap things up. But before we do, we want to remind you, tickets are going fast for the CHGO kickoff classic golf outing. Friday, August 25th at Cog Freaking Hill. Yeah. CHGO, Big Drive Energy, and Pins and Aces are hosting the inaugural kickoff classic. Not the first annual, Herb. Uh, kickoff classic golf tournament at Cog Hill. Call course out. number two, 9 a.m., not p.m., as I said the other day, according to my dad, <laughs> on August 25th. <laughs> Night golf. <laughs> Your entry fee includes 18 holes with a cart, an exclusive Pins and Aces tea gift, Access to our limited edition Pins and Aces CHGO Polo, whole contest, giveaways, all kinds of great stuff, lunch, drinks, and a ceremony after the round. It's going to be an awesome time. All CHGO.com. Navigate over to the events page and click on the Kickoff Classic tab and uh, join us. And, of course, if you're a diehard, you will get a deal. You'll get your discount. If you So uh, uh, jump on there, all CHGO.com. If you love the look of that CHGO uh, Pins and Aces crossover polo, which, I mean, who wouldn't, uh, I have been told that... They will be in stock at the golf outing for uh, that's that's that is the uh, the access that we are getting to them. So if you're not at the golf outing, but you want one of those polos, uh, should have been at the golf outing. Venmo me two hundred dollars, I'll get you one. (laughs) Game worn. That's that's that's, 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 sweat sweat, and mustard on it. Sweat under boob sweat. (laughs) The real thing. Uh, that's how we were able to get Coghill, actually. They're having us play at 9 p.m. instead of 9 Yeah, yeah that makes sense. It's the only way they let we're us We're actually just court. sneaking in I did in night golf closed. once. I know we're running late. I did night golf once, and uh, it was cool because you're hitting, like, those glowing balls. Yeah. And, but then the dude I was in a golf cart with, we went over a hill and just missed going into a river or going into water because you can't see. It's yeah. pitch black out there. There's no You got to have, like, headlamps. We should have had headlamps, yeah. yeah. But it was our first time doing it, and he comes over the hill and just jams on the brakes. <laughs> And we stopped maybe two inches short of the where the water hits yeah. the grass. Oof. It would have been ugly. Well, we are, in fact, playing in the daytime. And the perfect thing you need, because it's going to be a bright, sunny August day when we hit Coghill. It better be. Go visit our friends at Shady Raids and place your order in now for multiple pairs of their great polarized sunglasses. And I guarantee you, you will get them well before we tee off at 9 a.m. on the 25th. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we wore. Have worn dur- durable frames, extremely clear optics for your outdoor adventures like golfing at Cog Hill with us. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection all the eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So in case Jay does actually drive you into a water hazard <laughs> and you lose your sunglasses... They're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And together with their customers, Shady Rays is providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact, from building play sets to, for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime. Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come and if you don't love your shady rays but i assure you you're going to you can exchange them for a new pair 
or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. And exclusively for our listeners, maybe you've heard of this deal before. Shady Rays is giving you 50% off all orders containing two or more pairs of sunglasses over at ShadyRays.com. All you have to do is enter the promo code CHGO at checkout. Save big-time bucks for your big-time sunglasses that have been rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Big-time bucks. And real quick before we sign off for the day, I just want to give a shout-out to the person who shouted at me at the Bruce Springsteen concert <laughs> last night, walking into my seats. Somebody said, hey, Greg Boyson. I turned around and acknowledged, and gentleman said, I'm a big fan. Thank you. And I was like, okay, cool. That stuff still weirds me out, but I just yeah. wanted to uh, give another thank you to whoever that was. I didn't get a name. He didn't take a picture of me. Of just you? No. He uh, <laughs> like just, just gave me a, just wanted me to know that he was a fan of the show, and I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, just so everyone knows, if you do that to us, we don't know how to react. No. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey. But, you know, I gave him a <laughs> thumbs up and said thank you. And then was walking away. I go, that's so odd. Like, I it's, just, it is something it that's is such never a weird, going to. Such yeah. a weird experience. And then I spent the whole show sitting five seats away from Duncan Keith. And how many people recognize him? Zero. So well, I beat <laughs> Duncan Keith. More therefore, people recognize there you go. Me. Therefore, Greg is, is only, more popular than Duncan Keith. I'm the Keith. only guy. That, well, I mean, I recognize him, but I didn't. Nobody bothered him. That was cool. He was there with his yeah. son. They were enjoying the show. So that's that's a good free. Hey, Austin Matthews, you can come to a Bruce Springsteen concert. And no one's gonna know who no the one's hell gonna you bug are. you. Yeah. Can't do that in Toronto. Just keep your pants on. Uh, just do what Chuck Copic always said, and just wave to a section <laughs> when you're at an event. Just wave to a section. That way you're not f- upsetting anyone. I don't. I'm not going to the Chuck Copic school of pudwack. Got to get Roosevelt to make like f- for floor length mink coats like Chet used to wear. <laughs> what a time to be alive. No, All right, let's wrap no things thanks. up. We're back tomorrow with more hockey. Hopefully the athletic writes yeah, something. We can say <laughs> again. Hopefully Scott Somebody call us out in the chat too. Like, yeah. hey, again, feel free, feel free to program a mid-August. Hockey August tenth. It's yeah. August tenth. We do five a yes. week. We're hoping. We're hoping Scott Powers drops another article between now and then, yeah. so we can. Uh, have Not a very Christian of you, Christian Chambers. <laughs> I think he actually deleted that comment on the YouTube chat. All right, fair uh, enough. Well. We don't care. Screenshots. We're not hiding forever. it. We talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, every once in a while. Three minutes of the show, dude. Checking in on time. Every once in a while, you, you, you just break the paywall. Sorry. Some people have done it to us. So, whatever. I don't yeah. know what you're referring to. Yeah. We'll talk to you Friday at 2 on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.